you know, that's change over time. And so when you see our guys, they're going to be in all black. They're going to be really well dressed. And so that's what I mean by we're like Amazon in that way. However, we're not like Amazon because they call it delivery. They drop it off at your doorstep and they scatter and they get, get out. Well, that's not what we all do. We install, we put it out where it needs to go. We look at a layout and we put the pieces where they need to go at the venues. We put the chairs out. We put the pillows out. We do everything that is required of us. We're not just showing up at the venue and dropping it off at the door and saying, peace, have a great time putting this all together. No, we're not doing that. And so I think that when we call it delivery, they might not think that it's actually delivery like Amazon. They might actually think that you are delivering something and not know the full capacity of what you're doing. However, when they hear that, they might think of Amazon. They might think of um, like delivery from Target. They might think of delivery from any other place and not knowing that, hey, there's a lot more than we actually say that we do. And so having that knowledge and having it called something else already is going to pique their interest of, oh, why is it called an installation? That must mean it's a little bit more like I'm getting special treatment. You know what I mean? And so that's why we call it installation versus delivery, because we don't want it to be, you know, assumed that we're doing the bare minimum to get it there because we do actually so much more. Hi there, you're listening to The Render Podcast, a business podcast for creatives. I'm Cam, and I'm a visionary leader who has failed and thrived through small business. I've been in the event industry and am wildly passionate about education for small businesses and teaching others through the mistakes we've made along the way. I hope you leave here refreshed, engaged, and ready to take on your company, making the next right decision. This is another episode of the Render Podcast. You are listening to Cam, your host. I own Beautiful Event Rentals, and I'm excited about this topic when it comes to our services and our fees because there's a lot of myths around it, and there's a whole host of different ways that people charge for their services and their fees. And so I'm putting together this episode in the hopes and the thought that It's an open discussion, and it's a wide open door into how we do what we do and make a profit on our services. And so I hope that you are ready to go. You may want to pull out a notebook and a pen and start writing some things down that I talk about. Um, If you are like me, when I listen to other podcasts, sometimes there is really great content that I want to remember but I don't necessarily want to go back and listen to it again. And so what I do is I pull out my Slack app. It's a free app. It's how we communicate as a team. And I will start writing down the things that I'm listening to into my Slack um, to like a private message to myself. And so you might do that just so you have it on your phone. um, Or if you are at a desk with a computer and want to type it out or um, maybe write stuff in a notebook please do that. Um, Don't do it while you drive. I highly encourage that you do it when you have a clear mind. But this episode is all about services and fees and that side of the business. Now, with rental companies, I'm teaching this from a rental company perspective. And so if you own a different type of company, whether it be a floral shop or a venue or a cake 
uh, bakery or any other type of industry, I think this still applies to you. If you have some sort of a service that you provide, I think this should apply. Meaning you go and deliver something and maybe you pick it up, but I think this applies to so many. I know that when I listen to podcasts, I listen to a whole lot of different podcasts. I listen to some that are event related and I listen to a lot that are business related. And because I am now in the space of education and teaching people, my students, I now listen to educational ones as well. But um, my point around that is sometimes I listen to podcasts that don't even have anything to do with rentals, mainly because this is one of the only ones. (laughs) But the point is I listen to so many, yet I still pull out little uh, bits and pieces from it and then apply it to my business. So for example, I listened to the Jenna Kutcher podcast, the Goal Digger podcast, and she is a uh, photographer by trade and now an educator. Yet when she talks about photography things, I can still take some of what she's talking about and apply it to my business. So anyways, that's what I'm just saying before we start this is that you don't have to be a rental company to understand what I'm talking about and um, apply it to your own business. So here we go. Let's get started. We are talking about services. Now, from my perspective, there is two different revenue streams for a rental company. Um, One is going to be my inventory and two is going to be my services. They are two completely different types of revenue. They're two completely different types of service. And so we are going to be talking about the services side, meaning the man labor or woman labor when it comes to delivering those pieces. So ready? Let's go. So most people are going to refer to these fees as delivery and pickup, but we don't. We actually call it installation and and retrieval. And the reason behind that is because I believe it's more than just a delivery. I also believe it's more than just a pickup. When I think of delivery, I think of Amazon. And if you're anything like me, you probably get Amazon packages delivered on the regular. So if you are calling it delivery, like Amazon calls it delivery, well, I think that's somewhat of a good thing because I think delivery from Amazon is pretty top notch. I think they care about their customers and they provide a great product. Um, Their packages typically show up undamaged most of the time, although there's been a couple times where... (laughs) It's damaged, but nonetheless, most of the time it shows up in good condition. Um, Their branding is a part of uh, the packages that come. You can always expect it to have that blue Amazon logo. Um, If it's coming in a box, you have that tape. I think it, gosh, I don't even know what type of tape it is. Like you don't even have to use scissors to open up the box. But anyways, they have their own branding and you know it's an Amazon package when it arrives because it has Amazon all over it. So those are the great things about Amazon packages and how they can relate to our companies, meaning how we show up in the product that we bring should be of um, high quality. When they see us, they should know that um, our business is, is us and not like, oh, who is that rental company there? Do you know what I mean? Do you get what I'm saying? Your branding needs to flow through your installation and retrievals. I know that our installs and retrievals have looked vastly different year over year because we are continually trying to create a better service and a better way that we do things. And so, gosh, three, four years ago when we were starting to do all of the um, really actually pay attention to how we're showing up, 
um, meaning not wearing basketball shorts and um, like a, you know, cheap shirt with our logo on the back, you know, that's change over time. And so when you see our guys, they're going to be in all black. They're going to be really well dressed. And so that's what I mean by we're like Amazon in that way. However, we're not like Amazon because they call it delivery. They drop it off at your doorstep and they scatter and they get get out. Well, that's not what we all do. We install. We put it out where it needs to go. We look at a layout and we put the pieces where they need to go at the venues. We put the chairs out. We put the pillows out. We do everything that is required of us. We're not just showing up at the venue and dropping it off at the door and saying, peace, have a great time putting this all together. No, we're not doing that. And so I think that when we call it delivery, they might not think that it's actually delivery like Amazon. They might actually think that you are delivering something and not know the full capacity of what you're doing. However, when they hear that, they might think of Amazon. They might think of um, like delivery from Target. They might think of delivery from any other place. And not knowing that, hey, there's a lot more than we actually say that we do. And so having that knowledge and having it called something else already is going to pique their interest of, oh, why is it called an installation? That must mean it's a little bit more like I'm getting special treatment. You know what I mean? And so that's why we call it installation versus delivery, because we don't want it to be you know, assumed that we're doing the bare minimum to get it there because we do actually so much more. Now, when we're talking about pickup, it's kind of the same concept. We're not just picking it up at the door um, and just saying, all right, cool. Thanks for packing it all up. We're going to go take it back to our warehouse. No, that's not what we do. We actually clean the inventory on site and we do a full inspection of the inventory on site before we pack it up. And um, we're wrapping things tightly and we're strapping them to the trucks and and getting them back to our place. And so it's actually a full sweep um, retrieval, not just a pickup at the door. So what I like to think about is um, like a dry cleaning pickup. If you are going to go pick up your dry cleaning, you're just picking it up because they've done all the work to get it ready to pick up. You're picking it up and you're bringing it back to put it in your closet or put it wherever you put your dry cleaning Well, the same goes for our inventory, meaning that they're not doing any work at all. We're not just picking it up from them. We are doing a full sweep uh, retrieval of your pieces. And so that's what we call it because, again, it piques our client's interest. Well, it sounds like they do a little bit more. It's not just, you know, a standard pickup. All right. So that's why we call it installation and retrieval. I think it's really important that you even bring this up with your teams or think about possibly changing your language around this. I think it's important. Well, there's not just installation and retrieval. There's so much more that we do as well. There's will call, which we don't call it anything different. It is called a will call because we're giving them minimal assistance to get this piece. Um, We're not having to install it anywhere. We're just, you know, helping them put it in their car. And so that's called the same thing as well. There's so many other things that go along with it. I'm sure that you probably charge some additional fees. And there's a lot of different fees. Being an educator for rental companies, I have done a ton of research into what people actually charge. And let me tell you, there's like 18 to 20 different fees that people charge throughout the United States at least, but there also may be other 
countries that um, that have additional fees. But all that to say, the most standard ones that everyone is charging is a damage waiver. Um, super important that you charge a damage waiver. Everyone else is doing it, and I'm not. I'm not saying that to say, well, everyone's doing it, so you should do it too. The point of me saying that is it's industry standard to be charging this fee. Um, typically, it's 10% of your entire order, and you can choose whether you want to include your fees in that 10% or just have your um, inventory in that 10%. Totally up to you. Many different companies do it different ways, so there's no like right or wrong reason to do it. However, most companies are charging this 10% fee. Um, it's called damage waiver. It's called picture perfect guarantee fee. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can name it, but it all is covering essentially the same thing, which is like all nicks and dings that happen um, while it's in use. So that's what we charge. Everybody else charges it. And so if you don't, please add it. You will be doing yourself a favor. What we do when we think about this fee is we actually save this fee so that at the end of the year, we can see, hey, how much did we pull in for this uh, damage waiver? And then what was our cost of repairs throughout the entire year? And we want to see, hey, is this is this covering what we're actually having to repair? Or do we need to reevaluate this year over year or even six months over six months? I mean, you can run that report whenever you want to. But we charge the fee and we make sure that at the end of the year, that money is being actually spent on the repairs that we are actually doing. And so this is something that you're going to think about ahead of time, that if you are charging this, make sure that you're assigning some sort of figures around uh, what that actually is. All right. So that's one thing. Um, some people charge 15% for will call. We charge 15% for will call, 10% for delivery. Some people just do 10% across the board. That really, at the end of the day, is your decision. We chose to do 15% for will call for the main reason being that will call just has a little bit more risk involved versus a delivery because it's being put in their hands and you never know what it's going to show back up with. Okay, so that's what we do and the reason why. Then there's various fees across the board. Um, there's late night fees, there's early morning fees, there's multi-day fees, there's um, polling fee for will calls, there is a chair stacking fee, there is, gosh, I could keep going on. There is so many fees, and I actually talk in full depth on this on the Rental Biz Academy course that's coming out in July of 2020. Whoop, whoop. I'm so excited about it, but we talk about it in full depth. We talk through every single fee and we tell you, you know, what's the general charge for this? Why do people charge this? And then, you know, I encourage you as a student to decide if you want to do that or not. Hey there. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode so far talking about installation and retrieval. If you like it and you want to know more, let me tell you about a course that we have and are putting out. It's called the Rental Biz Academy. It talks about installation and retrieval, inventory and how to buy it and how to price it accordingly. We talk about your client's journey and your experience and how you talk to your clients, setting up your business and your core values. We talk about branding and marketing, and we also give you a full-fledged rental budget and talk about our contract. So there's so many different things that you can start your rental company, grow it and scale it and really do it intentionally. I hope that you are interested in this crazy life 
of owning a rental company because it's so much fun and it's such a joy to have this company and do the work that we do. So if you're interested in taking the course, please sign up on our website for the wait list. It's beautifuleventrentals.com backslash education for the Rental Biz Academy. Over the next few weeks, we will be sending you out more freebies and more content related to the Rental Biz Academy. And so we hope that you join in and we cannot wait to keep serving you as our audience. All right, let's get back to the episode and we'll talk soon. However, there is so many different fees. And the beauty of owning your own business is you get to choose what you want to add and what you don't want to add. So you have the full authority to do that. And you can put wise behind it or you can just try it out. Um, I know that our company, for example, we've had so many different ideas as far as what to charge and what not to charge. And we've tried them out and we've taken things away and we've added things in. Again, it's the beauty of owning your own business. So that's kind of what we do fee-wise. I do want to talk a little bit on how we do what we do, installation and retrieval, and get away from the money of it for a second. I will say that anytime that I teach my students, I do try to teach the numbers side of the business first before we talk about the details such as how we do what we do, because I think it's important to know the cost that goes into what you do instead of just blindly choosing what you want to charge. I will say full disclosure here, I have definitely done that before. I have just said, all right, we're going to charge percentage. And then we decide to throw out a number. We're like, oh, 15% sounds good. And then I remember, I think it was in 2018 or 2017, we were charging percentages and like you and like so many other people, we just decided what to do and ran with it. One of the gals on my team, she was like, are we actually making a profit here or are we just charging whatever? And I was like, you know, that's a really great question. Let's pull a report. So we pulled a P&L report and we looked at um, what we were spending, like our cost of goods on this, which means if you take $1,000 for a contract, what does it actually cost you to make that happen? And so we took that over an annual basis. So we said, all right, with our vehicles, how much are we paying in our vehicle costs, including gas and maintenance and car washes and tire rotations, inspection, registration, all the things that come with owning a truck. And then we took like our trailers and we took our vans and we took any vehicle costs that we had. And then we took our employee labor on the warehouse side of things and our contract labor when it came to deliveries, and we added up all those expenses, and then we took everything that we charged for delivery, and we just took our delivery charge because, again, those damage fees shouldn't be covering your labor. It should be covering your nicks and dings and repairs, and so we took that number, and I remember it clear as day. We were sitting at my desk. I I had one of the corner desks, in our old office and we were sitting there and I had one report in front of me and the other report in front of me and I had just added up everything. I kind of was panicked a little bit. I was like, we are spending so much in just having this service and we're not charging enough. And to be completely honest with you, we said, hey, we've got some minimums that it takes for us to deliver. So like, you know, within 20 miles of our warehouse, 
we would have a minimum of like $500. And then for the next ring, we had a minimum of, um, I want to say $1,500. And it just kept going up from there. And so within each minimum ring, we said, all right, if your venue is within 20 miles or 50 miles or however far, um, you are going to have to pay 15% in a delivery fee. And then it goes up from there. I'm embarrassed to tell you this because um, you might be doing the same thing, but regardless, we don't do it anymore. So it doesn't matter. Um, but we would have this delivery fee and we'd have a quote come in we'd put it, put the 15% on. And then our rule of thumb was if it looks too high, reduce it. If it looks too low, increase it. We had nothing to really catch on with that. And so when we were looking at these reports, I was like, this is not working. I am losing money on my deliveries. I'm not even making money. I'm not even covering my freaking costs here. I am losing money on this area, which means my inventory that I'm spending and the inventory that I'm charging, that has to now cover extra than what it's already covering. We made a change. We said, all right, we cannot make this the way that we do things anymore. And so we came up with another solution. And then we came up with another solution after that because that didn't work. And so we just kept altering the way that we were charging for things as business grew and as business changed. And so I want to tell you right now that the way that you charge right now, go run the numbers, go see if you're actually making money or if you're just covering your cost. And just a quick reminder, we're not in business to cover costs. I know that someone listening here needs to hear that. You are not in business just to cover costs. You are in business to make money. You are in business to keep running your family and to provide for your employees and to provide for yourself. You are not in business to cover costs. I know that sometimes, especially if you you are female listening to this, we have some sort of a, a worry around money. We're like, oh, we don't want to make too much because we don't want to you know, feel like we're greedy. Well, cut it out. Cut it out. Because we are in business to make money. And you are so dang smart to even start a business, let alone be running numbers to figure out what you're doing. So I want to encourage you that what you're doing is good and what you're doing is needed in our market. But have some credit for yourself and make some freaking money. I know that I need to put that out there because I felt the same things. You know, I'm female, so I don't need to, you know, make a ton of money. And that's not true. It's not true. You need to take care of yourself. You need to take care of your employees. You need to take care of your family. And if you are in business, you should be making money, not just settling for, um, just settling for breaking even. So now it's time to talk about how you do what you do. So I know that we put, I think it was podcast episodes one through six are all about our core values. And so I'm going to mention our core values. Where we have our core values go into play is through our installs and retrievals. It's through our communication with our clients. It's through how we show up as a business. When I talk about the way that we show up and the way that we do our installs and retrieval, I'm going to reference our core values. And so if you have not listened to those episodes, I encourage you to. I think they're really great. And we've had a lot of great response from it. If you don't have core values, we have a mini course out where you can go take it. It's all about core values. 
Okay, so now that we talked about core values, let's get back into what we're talking about, which is how do you do what you do? So let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's take those core values. If you have not uh, put together core values, please go do them because I think this next part will help you so much when you are thinking about your client. Because the biggest thing that we have done to really make our installs and retrievals what stand out, and if by the way, if you go look up Beautiful Event Rentals on Google and see the reviews, most of the reviews have a lot to do with the installs and retrievals because that's where we get to show off what we're all about. I mean, you can promise the world uh, to your clients, but until the day of, they don't believe you. They don't trust you until you show it. So this part is so stinking important. And the way that we've really made this happen and the way that we've really made this into what it is today is we thought about it with the perspective of our clients in mind. We didn't think about, hey, how can we do this as fast as humanly possible? No, we thought about a few different things. We thought about, okay, what is our client's biggest stressor on the wedding day or on the corporate event day? What do they need us to be for them? How can we show up and serve our clients? And how can we make sure that what we're providing is exactly, if not more, than what we promise them in our contract or in their order? And so how we look at this is we've taken apart each of those questions and really dug deep. I mean, it took a few hours and a few days to actually get to the bottom of what we do and how we do it. And so the first part is talking about what is our client's biggest stressor? Well, typically it's going to be the timing of events and not feeling like you have enough time to pull all the details that you've been working so hard over the last few weeks or months or years on. And that's their biggest stressor. That's the thing that stresses them out the absolute most. And so the next question was, how can we show up in the way that they need us to show up? And so we thought about that from the perspective of their time being the most stressful part and getting everything done. And so part of our initial process is we ask them, hey, what uh, vendors need to be set after us? Usually it's going to be the florist or the baker or um, these specialty products that are coming. And so we want to be one of the first ones that's there because we want to make sure that we're not delaying anyone else from doing their job. And so we ask them what time other people are coming. And then the second question we ask them is, is there anything else that you might foresee needing that um, that we can be of help with? So for example, if they have an acrylic huppa, we're going to ask them, hey, do you need the talus that goes on the top of that? What that means, if you're not familiar with Jewish weddings, they have this huppa and it's a four column with four cross beams and it's a perfect cube um, and they get married underneath it. And in the Jewish ceremony tradition, they have what's called a talus, which is a a piece of fabric that spans the entire piece. And so we have a custom talus. I'm actually looking at it right now as I'm recording this because I'm in my pillow room. But we have this talus and we ask them, hey, do you need that? Because sometimes that's one of the last details they forget. Or if it's lounges, hey, are you going to need any pillows or extra rugs or textile pieces to make that lounge look even better? And it's an opportunity, one, to upsell, and two, to make sure that what they're getting, they are envisioning. Because usually they're looking at these photos in um, magazines or, you know, Pinterest, and they're expecting the same thing. 
Um, sometimes they don't want to pay the same thing, which is totally fine. And so sometimes we throw that in if, the, if we need to, but um, we're really trying to go the extra mile and make sure that we think of everything because, you know, we're the professionals. We know what looks best. And so we're thinking about that perspective. We're also thinking about what can we do to serve them. And so how we do our process is on Mondays, we meet as a team and we talk about all the things that might throw us off track. And so if we have our plans of delivering at this time and getting back at this time and then going and picking up at this time, well, we need to look at, hey, what are some things that might throw us off? And so one of those things is sporting events. We are in downtown Dallas. And so um, we're close to the American Airlines Center, which is where the stars in the Mavs play. And so if we are going downtown and we need to go through that area, well, one of the things we need to look at is, is there a game going on? Or if we're going over to Fort Worth, we're likely going to be driving past AT&T Center where the Cowboys play. And so in the fall, we need to look at what the Cowboys schedule is so that it doesn't throw us off. Because at the end of the day, your bride or your corporate client does not care if there is a Cowboys game and there is traffic that's holding you up. They just want their stuff at the time that they ask their stuff for. And so we're looking ahead and we're anticipating, hey, what might throw us off? If it's the winter time here in Dallas, it does not snow very often. But when it does, it shuts the city down essentially because we don't know how to do snow. I know how to drive in snow. I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, it's been about almost 20 years since I've lived away from there. So clearly my accent is gone. But up there, you know how to do snow, and it typically won't take you um, totally off track if it snows. However, here in Dallas, nobody knows how to drive in snow, and it shuts our city down. And so in the winter, we look at, hey, what does the weather look like? Is there going to be any ice? Is there going to be any snow? Because that might slow us down. And so we look at all the things that might throw us off. And then we start pulling the items. And we pull the items before the event day because we want to make sure that if there's any nicks or dings or bruises on anything that we're sending out, that we have at least a day or two to fix that piece before it goes out. Again, this is a rental company. And so everything is not going to be perfect every single time that it comes back. And so part of our process is we make sure that everything's uh, fixed up before we send it out. From there, on the day of, we load up. Now, I know that there's some companies that load up the day before or two days before, and we don't do that for the main reason being that we are in downtown Dallas and some friends of ours who also own rental companies nearby, they've had their trucks broken into. Now, at my place, I have a parking lot that has a gate on it. In fact, I have people who rent out some parking spaces because of this very problem. But some people have gotten their trucks and trailers either stolen or broken into in pieces damaged. And so one of the things we do is we don't load up until the day of for that reason being number one. And the second reason being that our lead driver, we want him to put him or her to put a second set of eyes on everything that's going out. We want to make sure that we're not having just one set of eyes looking at everything. We want two. And so they're going to load everything up. They're going to get it all put up and put into the trailers and trucks. And before we even leave our headquarters, we are going to call the on-site contact. That might be a DMC, a wedding planner, uh, maybe it's a mom of the bride or someone that they have provided us a number for. 
and we are going to call them and let them know, hey, we just Google mapped it. We're going to be there in about 25 minutes. Um, you can expect to see us in a white truck with our name on it. Um, just confirming this is where we're delivering to. This is the dock or this is the area that we're delivering to. Okay, great. Sounds good. See you in 25 minutes. If they don't answer, we have a canned text that we send them that just says, hey, just left you a voicemail. We're going to be there in 25 minutes, which gets us there at this time. Uh, see you soon. We'll be there soon. Um, if they do answer, we still have a canned text that just follows up with that because they might forget. And so um, I know that when I was a wedding planner, I know that people would maybe call me and let me know that people are coming. And then I'd forget because something else is on my mind. So we send them a text regardless of if they answer or not. And then from there, we get to the venue. We have two people at minimum on all of our deliveries. And so the first one is our lead. He or she is going and communicating with the client or the day of contact, letting them know, hey, we've arrived. This is what we brought. Just to confirm, nothing has changed on the layout. And then we start loading it all in. So once we load it all in, everything is cleaned and sanitized again before we leave because um, we just want to make sure that they know that everything's ready to go. So the two things that we do before we leave is first, we are going to ask them, hey, is there anything that I can do to serve you while I'm still here? The main reason we ask that question is, again, I used to be a wedding planner. And typically, man, this was back in 2010 through 2012 or 13. When I was doing wedding planning, this was back when DIY was super in and the bride was making a lot of stuff. But even nowadays, it still happens where the wedding planner is likely bringing in some of their pieces, whether it be, you know, guest book or centerpieces or little things here and there that the wedding planner maybe gathered on the rehearsal dinner day. And so what they're doing is we ask them, hey, what can we do to serve you? Is there anything you need to gra- us to grab out of your car or go take something somewhere? And we're just trying to be super helpful and be a helpful hand to them. I know that when I was a wedding planner, if anyone ever asked me that, which they didn't, but if someone ever asked me that, I probably would have cried because I would have been like, oh my gosh, yes, please. And so we just want to be a helpful hand to them. The second piece that we ask them is, hey, will you sign this receipt of goods sold? We call it our ROGS, and this is, it has a simple statement that just says, thank you so much for renting from us. We are just confirming that the pieces that we brought are exactly what you expected. The pieces that you want in specific areas are placed in those areas, or it says something along those lines. And then they sign that. Um, That gives us assurance that they think that we did exactly what we needed to And it also gives them assurance that, hey, we want to make sure that we're doing a good job and we're even going to have you confirm that that is happening before we leave. So that is super important. We go through the entire list of everything they ordered so that they know that we know that everything's there. The last piece is we have to go pick up everything, which is our retrieval, like we talked about earlier. And this means that we're going back and we're doing more than just picking it up. We have in the past, and I'm sure if you've been in the rental world long, you probably know this. And even if you're not in the rental world, if you're like a florist or a baker or a caterer, if you don't wipe down your stuff, it's going to smell on Monday morning or even later when you um, unwrap that. And so we go and we clean every single thing on site before we wrap it. We, um, If you are familiar with weddings or events, you probably, if you're like us, have 
shown up and there is cake or there is food or drink stains or whatever on your pieces, whether it be the bar or the cocktail table or the coffee table or side table or whatever. I know that when I showed up at a venue, um, gosh, a few years ago, I showed up and we had done the head table. We had our farm tables for the head table and there was like a burn mark on it or like ashes on it. And I asked the wedding planner, I was like, hey, do you uh, know anything about this? And she was like, oh my gosh, one of the groomsmen took a plastic plate and burn the bottom of it on a candle because he wanted to see if it would melt. And I was like, oh, okay. So we want to clean everything and make sure that nothing has anything damaged before we leave and get back to our warehouse. Because that's really important to us that there's not burn marks on our tables. And then showing back up and them not believing that that happened. So we go through all of that. And if there is any damages that are noticeable, we let the planner know that, hey, just so you know, this happened. Our office team will get in touch with you the next business day. When we come back, I have all of my warehouse crew unload everything into one of the bays in our warehouse. If you are in your garage or if you're in a storage unit or something like that, you might just have them leave it in the truck or put it in a certain area and have it cleared for them. But we have them put it in one of the bays and we have them do the first check. So we have three checks that happen after the event. The team that went to go pick it all up, they do the first check. They make sure that everything is unwrapped, unrolled, taken out of pillow bags. And then the next business day when we have our warehouse manager, he goes in and he double checks that everything has been checked off as far as it's back at our warehouse. And secondly, looking at all the damages in natural daylight. There's so much more that you can see in the light of the sun versus the parking lot lights when it's dark outside. And then the third check is done by our office team, whether it be myself or one of my other gals on my team. And so we go out and have one more look at it. So we have a three-point check system of all the things that need to be checked off. And then if it's damaged, we fill out a damage sheet and assign who is going to take care of that. And if it's not, it goes back on the shelf. So that's how we do our process. We then get in touch with our client because I think it's important that you follow up. One of the biggest mistakes I see in a rental company specifically is they don't follow up. And I think it's important too because your clients want to hear from you. They want to make sure that hey, everything went well and they don't have any more obligation to you. So follow up with your clients. So that's our entire fee and services process of what we do. Now you as your rental company, you have every right to do whatever makes sense to you. And what works for me here in Dallas, Texas might not work for you wherever you are. And that's okay. That is perfectly fine. And so take the time and Maybe take some notes based on what we just talked about and create a system that works for you. I cannot wait to keep pouring into you and giving you more content. Next week, we are going to be talking about corporate events and how we made the jump from doing weddings to corporate events. One of the biggest stats that we'll talk about is that in 2017, we went from an average order of about 700 to 2018 doing um, less business and having a average order of over $3,000. And the biggest difference was we did corporate events. And so I'm excited to talk to you guys all about corporate events on our podcast next week. Please, if you have liked this podcast at all, please subscribe and leave a review. And if there's anything that I mentioned in this podcast episode, screenshot it and send it to us either in a DM on Instagram or 
or email it to us at hello at beautifuleventrentals.com so that we can create more content around that um, item that we talked about. So I would love for you to join us on our Instagram live at the render podcast every Wednesday at 10 a.m. We talk about the episode. I learn things all the time. There is so much that is ever changing in our industry. And so typically in those Instagram lives, we are answering any questions that we may have gotten. And then we are talking about just furthering the conversation around the topic. I'm excited to hear from you guys then and see you on our Instagram live. It will be at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time on our Instagram. Thanks for listening to this episode and we'll see you next week.